chapter five. Before I discovered the five second rule, if you asked me to give you examples of courage, I would have given you a list of history makers. I never would have said that courage is what it takes some days to get out of bed, speak to your boss, pick up the phone or step on a scale. I would have told you that courage is a word used to describe acts of bravery. Courageous people, in my view, were Nobel Prize winners, Malala Yousafzai, Lima Bowie, Anne Sun Su Ki, the Dalai Lama, Nelson Mandela, and Elie Wiesel. I would have thought about Winston Churchill and Britain standing up to fight against Nazi Germany, or Rosa Parks standing up for her right to keep her seat on the bus, and Muhammad Ali steadfast in his religious beliefs and refusing to fight in Vietnam. When I thought of courage, I would have been reminded of Helen Keller, who triumphed over her own disabilities to advance the rights of others, or Sir Ernest Shackleton, who overcame shocking, stunning odds, actually to rescue the crew of the Endurance, or of Galileo, who challenged the Orthodox Church to advance science. But after using the rule for seven years and hearing from so many people around the world, I have learned a very important certainty. Everyday life is full of moments that are scary, uncertain, and difficult. And facing these moments and unlocking the opportunity, magic, and joy in your life, it requires tremendous courage. Courage is precisely what the five-second rule is going to give you. The rule gave Jose the courage to believe in his value and ask for a raise. As he posted on Instagram, I made a choice in five seconds to talk to my boss about my raise that I much deserved. I was determined I would let him know how much I'm worth. And he was so excited because he asked for and got a raise. And then when he checked his paycheck, he was shocked to see that he was given a bigger raise than he would even ask for, and his boss told him that he was, quote, too valuable, and with no hesitation not only agreed to what he asked for, but gave him even more. The rule gave Bryce the courage to put two years into working on and publishing his first cookbook, and he didn't stop there. He got Barnes & Noble to host a book signing. As Bryce puts it, quote, you can achieve anything that you're passionate about and willing to work for. And here's the crazy part. He was only 15 at the time when he discovered the five-second rule and made all this happen. The rule helped Martin push past through nine years. Nine years. How long have you been holding yourself back? Martin was holding himself back for nine years. One excuse after another, slamming on the brakes so hard. And now he's finally going back to school and pursuing a second master's degree that's going to give him a much more fulfilling career. Juanita learned to listen to her inner wisdom using the five-second rule. Instead of thinking about a job search and a company that her friend just recommended, she did something she had never done before. Five, four, three, two, one. She picked up the phone and called right now, right when she learned about the company. And guess what she got? She got exactly what she pushed herself to do. She got a dream job. Learning about the five-second rule was a turning point for Gabe, and I want it to be a turning point for you, too. After realizing that, quote, I was responsible for everything that happened in my life, Gabe used the rule to change his life and start his own virtual reality company. And today, he's in the middle of creating the career of his dreams. One, five, four, three, two, one, push at a time. Another person whose life was changed when she discovered the courage that the rule gives you is Kristen. Her life was forever altered because her boyfriend 
now has a way to battle his drug addiction. You see, whenever he feels the desire to, quote, go back to one of those drugs that he used to be addicted to, he uses the five-second rule to fight his addiction, retrain his mind, and take control. He counts backwards, five, four, three, two, one, whenever he feels the urge to reach for the drugs, and that triggers new behavior. And as she puts it, his mindset completely changes, and he goes about his day. Courage is, in fact, what I needed to get out of bed. It was scary to get out of bed because it meant facing my problems. You know, I can look back on it now and it looks like a cakewalk. But when I was going through it, it felt insurmountable. It was really, really scary to admit to myself that I was 41 years old and my life and my career had hit a dead end. It was overwhelming to consider that I might not be able to fix this. Courage is what my daughter needs to put down the pen in her high school history class and raise her hand. It's what your team needs to escalate their concerns to you. And it's what your kid needs to be able to talk to you about what's really going on. Putting up your online dating profile can feel like an act of bravery. So can blocking an ex on social media. Adopting a new technology for your business or walking in the door of your home and facing your problems head on instead of pouring a drink and zoning out in front of the TV. That takes courage, too. You know, as I began to write this book and I started collecting stories of people around the world who are using the rule, it became very clear that inside every single decision that you make, there exists five seconds of courage that can change absolutely everything about your life. And the more the word courage came up, the more I began to wonder if there was something about one of these historic moments of courage that would help me better understand the nature of courage itself. Now, the first person that came to my mind when I thought about courage was Rosa Parks. You probably know the story of how Rosa Parks sparked the modern American civil rights movement on a chilly December evening in 1955, when she quietly refused to give up her seat on the bus for a white passenger. Her moment of courage teaches us all that it's not the big moves that change everything. It's the smallest ones in your everyday life that do. Now, she didn't plan what she did that night. Mrs. Parks described herself as the kind of person who, quote, tried to be as careful as possible to stay out of trouble. The only thing she planned on doing that evening was to get home after a long day at work and have dinner with her husband. It was just an evening when she boarded that bus, like any other evening on her commute home, until one decision changed everything. Curious about that moment and that decision, I dug in and researched everything I could find about Mrs. Parks from the National Archives, biographies, radio interviews, and newspaper articles. What I found is incredible. Just weeks after her arrest, on December 1st, 1955, she gave a radio interview to Sidney Rogers on Pacifica Radio, and the National Archives website has a recording of it. I listened to it over and over and over again. Here's how Rosa Parks described that historic moment in her own words. As the bus proceeded out of town on the third stop, the white passengers had filled up the front of the bus. When I got on the bus, the rear was filled with colored passengers, and they were beginning to stand. The seat I occupied was the first of the seats where the Negro passengers uh, take as they on this route. The driver noted that the front of the bus was filled with white passengers, and there would be two or three men standing. He looked back and 
demanded the seats that we were occupying. The other passengers very reluctantly gave up their seats, but I refused to do so. The driver said that if I refused to leave the seat, he would have to call the police, and I told him, just call the police. Then the radio interviewer asked her the million-dollar question. Here is the question. What in the world ever made you decide to be the person who, after all these years of Jim Crow and segregation, what made you at that particular moment decide you were going to keep that seat? She replied, very simply, I felt that I was not being treated right and that I had a right to retain the seat that I had taken as a passenger on that bus. He pressed her again, noting that she had been mistreated for years. I mean, she had ridden this bus every night home after work. She knew the driver, you guys. He wanted to know what made her decide in that moment. She paused, and she said, the time had just come that I had been pushed as far as I could stand to be pushed, I suppose. He asked her if she planned it. She said no. He asked her if it just sort of happened, and she agreed. Just sort of happened. Now, this is a critical detail. Rosa Parks didn't hesitate or think it through. It happened so fast she just listened to her instincts. Her instincts were signaling her, you're not being treated right. And she pushed herself to follow him. Now, since she didn't hesitate, there was no time to talk herself out of it, was there? Imagine if she had stopped and thought about it. She didn't. You know, coincidentally, four days later in that same city of Montgomery, Alabama, on December 5th, 1955, there was another five-second decision that changed history. The Montgomery Improvement Association was formed in response to Mrs. Park's arrest, and a 26-year-old black preacher was voted by his peers to lead the 381-day bus boycott that ensued. On being nominated to lead the boycott that night, the young preacher would later write, It happened so quickly that I did not have time to think it through. It is probable that if I had, I would have declined the nomination. Thank goodness he didn't stop and think. He would become one of the greatest civil rights leaders of all time. His name, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Dr. King was pushed into the spotlight by his peers. He was nominated, and he didn't stop and think. Rosa pushed herself. They both experienced the power of a push. It's a moment when your instincts, your values, and your goals align, and you move so quickly. You don't have time or reason to stop yourself. Your heart speaks. You don't think. You listen. You listen to what your heart tells you to do. Greatness, it's not a personality trait. It's inside all of us. It's inside of you. And sometimes it's really hard to see it. I mean, Rosa Parks was described by everybody who knew her as quiet and shy. She never thought she would, quote, be the one to do such a thing. And you probably don't think you're the one to do such a thing either. Dr. King, he famously struggled with self-doubt and fear in the beginning days of the civil rights movement. 
Reflecting back on the radio that night in 1956, you know what Rosa Parks said? The interviewer actually asked her about this, about, you know, did you plan this? And, you know, did you think it through? And Mrs. Parks said, I hadn't thought I'd be the person to do this. It hadn't occurred to me. Probably hasn't occurred to you either what great things you might accomplish and be capable of at work or in your lifetime. I wanted to tell you Rosa Parks' example because it shows you that we are all more than capable of finding the courage to act out of character when the moment matters. Yes, it's true, as Rosa explained on air in 1956, that she was pushed as far as she could stand to be pushed by a system of discrimination. But in that singular moment, she was pushed forward by something way more powerful, herself. That's what courage is. Courage is a push. The kind of push we give ourselves when we stand up, speak up, show up, go first, raise our hand, or do whatever feels hard, scary, or uncertain. Do not look at your heroes in history and business and art and music and assume that somehow, somehow they're different than you. It's not true. Courage is a birthright. It's inside each and every one of us. You were born with it. And you can tap into it anytime you want. It's not a matter of confidence. Courage is not a matter of education or status or personality or profession. It is simply a matter of knowing how to find it when you need it. And when you need it, I guarantee you, you are going to be alone. It's going to be just you sitting there in a meeting at work, standing in your kitchen, riding the subway, you're going to be looking at your phone or thinking about something and all of a sudden it's going to happen. Something's going to go down and your instincts, they're going to come alive. You're going to have this urge to act. Your values, they're going to tell you what you should do and your feelings. You know what your feelings are going to do? Your feelings are going to scream, no, that is the push moment. You don't have to have the answers. You just have to make a decision in the next five seconds. Dan was alone at his computer thinking about registering for summer classes. You see, he wants to earn his college degree, but at the age of 44, the idea of starting as a freshman is nothing short of terrifying. Courage is what Christine needs. She's sitting in a marketing meeting in Plano, Texas. She has this great idea to share. But she wonders, is this going to sound stupid? Tom, he's alone. He's standing in a bar in Chicago. That's the moment he sees her. He can't look away. Now, he can either turn back towards his friends and pretend to care about the football game they're discussing, or he can find the courage to start walking toward her. The entire sales organization of a financial software company feels discouraged right now in Nashville. They've hit their numbers three years in a row in quotas. They just got raised again. Alice in England. She needs to push herself out the door to go for a run. She's inspired by her friend on Facebook, but boy, oh boy, does she feel discouraged by how long it's been since she exercised last. And halfway around the world, Patel, he cannot stop thinking about a friend whose son just died in a car accident. He doesn't know what to say. And the thought of losing his own son terrifies him. He tells himself, okay, it'll be easier if I just wait a few days. 
But the urge, the instinct to pick up the phone, to stop by the house, to go see his friend, to do something, lingers. But it scares him. In China, Sai's just signed on as a distributor for a new skincare line. Now, she's got at least a dozen people she wants to call, and she's alone as she looks at her phone and hesitates. What if they think I'm being pushy? In Queensland, Todd knows exactly what he wants to do with his life, and it isn't studying law. It's physical education. He's sitting alone in taxation class. But before Todd can take control of his future, he'll need the courage to face his parents' disappointment. And Mark. Mark is lying in bed in Auckland. It's 10.30 at night, and he turns and he looks at his wife as she's reading her book. He would love to make love to her. But he assumes she's not in the mood. He really wants to lean toward her, kiss her shoulder. But he's terrified of getting rejected. He needs courage to lean toward her after so many months of feeling like a roommate. These stories are real, and they're just the tip of the iceberg. They highlight the struggle between our desire to change our lives and our fear of it. They also reveal the power that everyday courage has to transform everything. Seth Godin once wrote, a different part of our brains is activated when we think about what's possible rather than what's required. I believe the same is true when we think about being courageous rather than focusing on the fears that stop us. It's the difference between focusing on the solution rather than the problem. And that tiny, tiny switch is mentally liberating. There's something powerful when you frame my struggle to get out of bed, Patel's struggle to call his friend, a sales organization's struggle to embrace a higher sales goal, and Alice's struggle to exercise as acts of everyday courage. After all, courage is just a push. When you push yourself, you may not change the world, the laws, or spark a civil rights movement, but I guarantee you, you'll change something equally as important. You'll change yourself.